Hello. All right. Fantastic. Well, um, welcome, first of all. And like Thank I was saying, we have a slightly different format to what we've done the last two times. We have um, we are going to talk about some packages, as, as always, but uh, we also have um, uh, a guest for the first time uh, today, although I suppose we have had a very brief guest, impromptu guest uh, slot with, uh, with Tim uh, on, I think, the first one that we did. But this is an actual planned uh, guest slot. We have um, uh, Simon Stovering talking about uh, Runestone. So hi, Simon. How are you? Hey everyone, uh, I'm great. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me here. It's, uh, I'm excited to, well, this is my first time being on Twitter Spaces, so I'm excited to try it out and I'm excited to talk about Roomstone and Swift Pages. So Fantastic. it's a pleasure being here. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, uh, it's, uh, so where, whereabouts are you? Are you in, in Denmark? Yeah, I'm in Denmark. Um, yeah, in rainy Denmark. It's been raining all day. So <laughs> oh, no. I hope it has stopped now so I, and I hope it will hope will stay like the, the weather will stay calm for this recording because it's been it's been quite noisy today it oh, was uh, it was also raining when i left uh, the uk this morning but it's beautifully sunny here in basel fantastic welcome simon or is it is it simon actually or is it simon because in german you would you would say simon i suspect danish is a bit similar yeah in denmark you would say simon, simon yeah, as okay. well but i'm i'm quite used to saying yeah okay. i can imagine you've <laughs> anglicized yeah <laughs> Yeah, the ignorant British person. Uh, just oh, sorry, I didn't mean it like that. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get started talking about Runestone. Um, so how about I try and describe it and then you correct me? <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> so Runestone, well, Runestone is two different things as far as I understand it. Runestone is an app on the App Store and it's a text editing app that uh, is very capable and does all sorts of text editing tasks on iOS. And then there's a component of that, which is Runestone, the package, which is a text kit to um, uh, based um, text editor control of the editor itself is wrapped around. Is, is, that, is that approximately correct? Uh, yeah, that's approximately correct. I mean, yeah, strictly speaking, it's not based on TextKit, but I think we'll get into oh, that a bit later on. But it's approximately correct, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so let's start there then. Um, what is it based on? Well, it's it's based on, I mean, UIKit and uh, Core Text. Um, that's not really any TextKit component in there. Um, it's all just, uh, you know, a protocol called UI Text Input that's uh, responsible for for the actual text input and you know presenting the keyboard on the screen and then um, all the text is drawn using core text uh, so all typesetting and layout and rendering is done done with core text yeah interesting um, so i thought uh, so I, I so my, my knowledge of core text is, is is very limited i have used it once in an ios app um, to wrap some text around an image uh, was what i had to do with it but apart from that that's that's literally all i've ever done with it so um but i, I my impression was that core text is the underlying um, lower level framework. And then this text kit two that was released, I think last year was potentially a slightly higher level abstraction on top of that. Mm -hmm. um, is that again, is that, is that roughly correct or? Yeah, I, th I think that's, uh, that's roughly correct. And uh, the original versions of Runestone were actually built. Uh, I mean, I started building it 18 months or 19 months ago. Um, so those were built using text, text kit. I mean, when you set out to build a text editor, it's, that's a natural place to start. That's with text kit uh, because that is the higher level. Um, but I ran into some issues with the uh, with text kit one that I that either I, I I couldn't find a way to work around them uh, in a way that I was satisfied, or I simply just had some performance issues that I just 
I'm interesting. Weren't really satisfied with. Um, so then, you know, six or seven months later, TextKit 2 was introduced, and I had a brief look at that. Uh, but at that point, I was all, already, you know, quite quite far with my implementation using Cortex. And so I thought, I mean, it would have been a big rewrite of, of the core logic to switch back to TextKit 2. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite happy with the Cortex implementation. It's quite performant and allows me to do, you know, I, I have greater control uh, over the app than I think I would, ha would have had with TextKit. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Con congratulations on resisting the rewrite there. That was, uh, that was well dodged. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> um, one thing that struck me is, is the, the, the license that you re released it under. So um, if, I, uh, if I remember correctly, it's an MIT uh, licensed package. Um, and of course, the, the, the uh, MIT license is very permissive and allows people effectively to do whatever they want with it. Um, how did you choose that license? And how do you feel about people taking this and potentially wrapping it up in an editor and shipping it to the App Store? Well, um... I feel good about it. I mean, that's that's uh, basically what I want, um, oh, more or less. Uh, so when I set out to develop this, I, um, I mean, I started by researching like what kind of open source text editors there were because I needed a text editor. That, that's why I, why I started developing it. So I have some other apps that relies on uh, either viewing or editing code, um, JavaScript apps for writing JavaScript and for viewing JSON. So those also kind of. Uh, code heavy, uh, and I needed syntax highlighting in those and line numbers and so. Um, so I was researching what open source uh, tools there were uh, or, or packages, and I didn't really find any. So I, I decided to write my own, and I decided that since there weren't really any open source uh, packages for iOS that could solve my problem, I thought, oh, well, maybe there are others who who might need this, so I should open source mine at least. Um, and during the development, I actually planned to open source the uh, the, the app runestone uh, as well, because it started as an example project package. Uh, so I, I didn't really intend to build a text editor app and release it on the app store. I just intended to build a package that I could use in my own apps. Interesting. So, that makes the choice I, of license make much more sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are you actually um, using runestone in your other apps or are you planning to? Is that sort of the trajectory? Uh, I'm planning to. Uh, I haven't yet implemented them. I mean, I have some branches with some like rough implementations, mm. but uh, I'm not that far yet. I've, I've just been focusing on getting Runestone, the framework out, right. I am on the app, and I'm like maintaining the app a bit. And then hopefully during the summer, I'll, uh, I'll get a chance to implement it in my other apps. Great. Yeah, really interesting about that that choice to open source. I mean, it's it's great. What, what do you think is your ideal outcome of, of open sourcing Runestone? Is it, I mean, you mentioned you, you want to see other apps using it. Is, is that the goal or is it you know, contributions? Um, what, what's your... Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> both actually. I, I hope other other developers will adopt this in their app, and I'm already working with a few developers who are uh, either planning to adopt it in their apps, and uh, some of them are actually quite far with the adaptation. So that's that's amazing to see. Um, so I, I guess my goal here is really just to make a better text editor and make text editors in general on iOS better, uh, and that can be like anything from an app like Runestone. That's I mean, which sole purpose is text editing, but also other apps where the text editing part, it might not be the, the primary feature of the app, but that might just be a component of the yeah. app. Uh, and I mean, of course, I'm also hoping that people will contribute contribute uh, to the package, but that's not like, I don't expect that. But mm, sure. That would yeah. be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, it, and it's wonderful to have a component like this because this is this is a very common feature that's needed in lots of different types of apps that are not 
purely text editors. Like, um, it, it's the kind of thing that if you need an area to put some, for, to allow a user to put some text in, and that text might be code or something like that, it would be wonderful to have this kind of rich text editor, but if, if that's just one little screen in some other app, you're not going to build an editor like this. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful um, uh, open source component like that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that sounds really great. I'm, I'm wondering how, how um, closely tied is it to iOS in general? Is it like, is it like really, you know, tied to to UIKit, or is it something that that it just just started there and has the potential of of being more independent? And that's just one flavor of of how you could drop it into a component. Um. So, uh, good question. Um, it's. Right now, it is quite tied to to iOS in the sense that I haven't really spent any time uh, porting it to the Mac, but it should be feasible. I mean, all of the the core logic, the core text-based logic, should more or less be portable. Mm. And on top of that, there's a UI view that inherits from this UI text input protocol. And I think it would be possible to swap that out uh, with an AppKit uh, parallel. I think on AppKit, there's something like, I think it's called MS input text input or something like that. That's a similar protocol mm -hmm. that I think could be used. Um, so that's, that would be going the AppKit route. But I mean, it should also be possible to port this to the Mac using uh, Catalyst, for example. Right. Yeah. Um, the current example project in the repository does build for uh, build using Mac Catalyst and it does run on the Mac, but I haven't really yet put in the energy mm -hmm. to optimize it for the Mac. Right. So there will likely be some, some small issues. Yeah. And, and is that something you have a personal interest in doing or is that the kind of thing you might hope that uh, an external contribution might bring? Uh, I definitely have a personal interest in doing this. Uh, so I would need that uh, Mac Catalyst compatibility for one of my other apps. Uh, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Sorry, <laughs> no, I meant, I meant the, app kit, the app kit version. Ah, sorry, right. <laughs> um, no, so I think the app port is not something that I would be looking into anytime soon, honestly. Um, it would be a fun challenge, but I, I don't really have any need for it myself sure. at, yeah, at exactly, this time. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. But that's the kind of thing that I, I mean, I'm, I'm potentially going to put some words in your mouth here, but is that the kind of contribution that, that you might be interested in, in, in helping to merge? Definitely. And uh, like, if anyone's uh, interested in, in kind of taking the lead on this, I would also be happy to help out. Um, I would love to see that supported in, in Runestill. Definitely. Great. Um, I'm, I'm wondering a bit about the, the technology you're using. I've seen, I've looked at the README um, to get a feel for what the package does, and it man mentions um, mm -hmm. TreeSitter. And I've, I've seen this a couple of times, but I've never really worked with syntax highlighting, apart from adding highlight.js to a web page. So I'm wondering, is that like a general syntax highlighting thing? Is, is it something you, that's actually possible to explain in a couple of sentences in, in, a, you know, in a format like this, or do you need <laughs> like a whiteboard? <laughs> Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> um, well, uh, TreeSitter is like the, the new kid on the block, both when it comes to, like, when it comes to syntax highlighting, it's the new kid on the block. But TreeSitter in itself isn't really meant only for syntax highlighting. It's a parser generator. Uh, so you can write a grammar in JSON, uh, run it through the TreeSitter tree CLI, and then it'll output some uh, C code that's your parser. And then oh, okay. TreeSitter is... Uh, I mean, TreeSitter is like, it has two legs. So the one leg is the CLI tool and the other leg is the uh, C library that you can then use your, uh, that you can use your parser with uh, to pass uh, or to, to output a syntax tree that you can then analyze in, in different ways. And one of those would be to, to utilize the syntax uh, tree for syntax highlighting, but it could also be indentation, code folding and so on. 
Um, right, interesting. And you say C library. I've seen as a project actually on the index, which is Swift Tree Sitter. Is that a Swift version of the C library, or is that just a, another wrapper around it? Yeah, so that's a, that's a wrapper, wrapper around okay. the C library. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, interesting. That sounds a bit like like ages ago there was a, a project, a Java project, Antler. That sounds like it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that similar? It's it's very similar. Okay. I'd say. Um, at least the the, the core concept. Okay, the overall idea. Um, yeah. Interesting. Fascinating. Um, so, one thing um, that, that we noticed was that, that you mentioned that you had a set of performance kind of text files for performance testing. Uh, mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about that? And, and do, do, well, so a couple of questions. Do you um, do you have any automated performance testing around that? And um, uh, what were the edge cases that, that, that you're kind of covering with those test files? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I feel a little guilty for saying, no, I don't have any automated uh, testing uh, of this yet. Um, I would love to have that, and hopefully someday in the future I'll, I'll get around to, to making some automated tests. Well, um, you, certainly now... shouldn't feel, you should, certainly shouldn't feel guilty. Like, <laughs> at all, this is, this is all an open source project, and uh, it's... Uh, it's... <laughs> don't expect it to have this. We were just kind of interested, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it would be nice though. Um, yeah, but right now I just have a, a set of files, um, and I have like three files that I use often for testing the performance of uh, of Rune. And it's more like um, whenever I make a change in the core of Runestone, I'll just go through these uh, three different files with uh, with three different texts in them of uh, vastly different uh, lengths and sizes. So that's like a I think there's a file that's uh, roughly three megabyte, one that's, I think it's 20 megabyte, and then one that's, uh, I believe, 50 megabyte or so. Um, and by, by testing with these files and just making sure that um, scrolling and editing is uh, feels as expected, and I, then I have a good gut feel that the performance is where I want it to be. So when you're editing text uh, on, on the iPhone, you know, you have this virtual keyboard, or you might have a physical keyboard, but especially if you have a virtual keyboard, then when you type the letters, they'll kind of become bigger. And one thing I was seeing is I had poor performance. These, uh, yes. and, and I was blocking the main thread, and these keys would, you know, be bigger. So the keyboard would be in this enlarged key <laughs> state. It would get, like, like, short, get like stuck, right? Yeah. Yeah, a short amount of time. I, and I've just, seen that happen, yeah. Yeah, and that was just, like, un unacceptable to me. Um, that's not to say that it can never happen in Runestone, but I, I kind of put in a, a great effort to make that um, feel as everywhere else on iOS. And certainly a 50 megabyte file is not the biggest text file in the world, but it's the biggest text file I would ever want to edit on my phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I think that's within like within reason. That's not to say that there aren't any bigger text files, but I think it, as long as it handles those 20, 50 megabyte files, then it's probably fine uh, for the most part. Did you test that mostly in the simulator or on device or just, you know, whenever, whatever you had? A... Almost, yeah. So almost all performance testing was done on the, on the device. Um, right. Yeah. I also noticed that I had to, like, sometimes I would, I would catch some performance issues in, uh, in, in the debug app. Or not really issues, but I, I feel like I could see that the app was performing better in release builds than in deals. I think it's like stripping away or optimizing some things in uh, in release builds that just seemed a bit noticeable, noticeable in this app. Yeah. So that's why when you read the, the documentation, it'll it'll tell you to, to judge it by a release build, <laughs> the performance. 
Yeah, you see that whenever in the forum someone says, you know, this seems to be slow and swift, the first thing people post is we can run it in release. <laughs> that just makes it yeah. makes a huge difference. Yeah, we we did have yeah. sort of a, a package like like your text files uh, in in testing of the Swift package index early on that was really heavy and in both um in the build system and and the number of releases it had. So I, that, I, it kind of reminded me yourself of of having something that you return to because you know it stresses your system mm. really a lot. I, I like I really love that about your your package and you know I, I don't remember where I first heard you talk about the about these text files but just the different variants of of having both a very large file and then one with you know very long lines because i can imagine you know it's it's different edge cases that would probably you know, trigger different you know bad behavior um, when you encounter them so oh, that's, yeah. that's really interesting really interesting yeah yeah long lines is a is a whole story in itself <laughs> those are quite those can be quite tricky yeah. Um, Dave, did we have anything else, or is there anything else you you wanted to mention? So I, I have a I have a fun question uh, uh, to to maybe round out the, uh, the 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 questions we had about the package. Is um, what was the what was the biggest text kit or core text bug that you found? <laughs> um, I mean. No. Or not, but what was what, what was what was something that 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 really caused you some like how on earth am I gonna fix this problem? <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Uh, well, I can tell. Um, if we have the time, I can tell a, a sh short anecdote. I'll keep it short. Um, sure. So when I was I went, when I was building the app with uh, TextKit One, I ran into some some performance issues. Specifically, I found that when I opened um, a, when I had a, a large text file uh, or large string in my view. Uh, and I put the cursor at the end of a line, and I deleted the last character in that line. Then the then text kit would hang, and there was like no way for me to fix this. It seemed I also tried it in a in a plain UI text view where I put in the same string, moved the cursor to the to a, a long line, delete the last char char character, and that, then it would also hang. So this was like mm -hmm. a this was a very fundamental bug that I just I couldn't really solve. So um, I filed a feedback on this, and I. I went to test, like, does anyone know how I can work around this? Uh, and I didn't really get any, uh, any suggestions, but I did get in contact with an, an engineer at Apple. I was like, can you, can you provide some more information around this? And uh, I kind of sent them some, some stack traces and some, uh, uh, what I call it, like, uh, recordings from instruments to show the, the issue. And I was like, I, I thought it was funny that they were so interested in this particular bug. And it also happened with a few other bugs, but these very particular issues that seem to have been in TextKit for ages, I would imagine. I don't know, but maybe. Uh, and then like half a year later, uh, they announced TextKit 2. And at that point, I was like, ah, okay. Maybe that's why they were so interested in these, uh, these issues. They wanted to optimize them and have, have, the, have them fixed in TextKit 2, I suppose. That's fantastic. <laughs> but did they ever fix your TextKit 1 issue then, or, or did you work around it somehow? Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't recall if I tested it again. Right. Because after I stumbled upon those performance issues, I just went full on with, uh, with core text. All oh, right, okay. That was, right. that was just Yeah, so that was actually the, that was the thing that caused you to switch uh, to the lower level uh, framework, yeah. Definitely, that was the triggers. Right. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And so the other, the final thing that we should uh, talk about, which I, I noticed um, is, uh, so we sent you across just a draft list of questions so that you uh, would have uh, have a chance to, to have a quick look at what we were going to ask you. And um, the last question 
on the list uh, was added by Sven. He said, <laughs> do you fancy testing our Doxy uh, uh, integration? And you, when I sent you the, the, the questions, you, you replied and you said, what Doxy integration? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we, <laughs> we had a little conversation uh, last night um, where I, I explained kind of some of the work we've been doing and just to fill everyone else in, what we've been working on for the last few weeks, um, potentially a couple of months, maybe even, uh, is um, automatic generation of documentation packages that support doxy documentation on the pack index. So uh, with a little configuration file in the root of your repository, your packages repository, you can configure, uh, you can tell our build system uh, which targets that you have documentation and we will try and build them for you. And I noticed that um, you have indeed tried it. Um, and I also noticed that there's a bug. <laughs> <laughs> So it's fair, I don't know whether you'd actually seen uh, or, or had any uh, inkling at all that uh, Simon had tried this, but um, yeah, if you go to, um, so for those following along um, uh, at home, uh, if you go to our staging site, which is staging.swiftpackageindex.com and search for Simon's package runestone, uh, then you should see on the right-hand side, there should be a documentation link, uh, and that will take you to the Doxy documentation runestone package. And the bug that I noticed is that the images are broken. Ah, right. Yeah, I noticed that at the bottom of the page, because I, to answer your question, Dave, I, I saw, I spotted the changes in, in Runestone that he had added, the, the, the Simon had added the IDOL file, and I thought, oh, it's interesting. Did he figure that out by himself? Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then I triggered the build system, because on staging, we don't we don't typically build um, all the packages, and I manually triggered that, and that generated the docs, and and um, then I saw that there's a, as it did, the image, um, the images aren't coming through. So, I guess thanks for testing that. Um, and thanks for testing yeah. it. Yeah, because I guess that is a route that we forgot to add to our because we're we're proxying the documentation through our server. Oh, but it's there so now. A... I just refreshed. Oh, it's there now. Yeah. Ah, no, sorry, uh, that was for me. me. I, I need to click on the documentation. Oh. I, I don't know the site very well, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's quite new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, no, I think I think I know what the bug is. I think because we're proxying all of the URLs through the Swift Package Index, so that we can add our header and footer and, and, and that kind of stuff, and add mm -hmm. uh, ways to switch between versions of documentation, which is something that we're going to start working on uh, next. Which is you'll be able to switch between all the different versions of uh, the documentation, or maybe not all of them, but some different versions uh, as we uh, uh, as we build this out a little bit. And so we're proxying some of those URL requests. Um, and I bet we're not proxying the image ones correctly. Yeah, it's right there, images we need to proxy. I think. Yeah. Um, did, how was the process for, for you as, as an author, Simon? Is that, is that sort of sensible with the manifest file? Did that go okay? It, it definitely, it was, uh, it was surprisingly easy to add. Um, I mean, I really didn't, I didn't stumble upon uh, any issues. Uh, I mean, yeah, I just added these, like, what is it? Four or five lines of, uh, of YAML to the repository and then I think after after a few minutes, it showed up on on your staging environment. So that was a really pleasant <laughs> pleasant journey. That was surprisingly easy, and I think this is a, this is a really uh, helpful and needed tool that has now a place to host documentation. I mean, I'm hosting it myself on a setup that's like myself GitHub and Netlify, uh, which wasn't that pleasant to set up. Uh, it, that wasn't a, at least that wasn't just four lines of YAML. Um, <laughs> so this is way easier. Um, and I think that's that's an amazing initiative. And I also want to say, I'm really happy to hear that you're working on uh, like versioning 
of the documentation, at least that you can kind of choose a version of the framework uh, and see documentation for that. Um, at least if I got it right, that, that's what you're planning to support. It is, yeah. So yeah, it's funny. It's funny how that happened. Uh, we we initially said, well, let's just keep it simple first of all, and only do the kind of default branch, and uh, let's keep do the the, the minimum possible uh, uh, implementation of documentation building. And then as Sven was kind of building out some of the uh, the generation and the hosting on uh, you know the, the hosting of the documentation files, we we kind of talked about it and we said, oh, it's, it'll be it'll be really pain to change this in the future so let's just let's just generate everything and then we'll we'll just stop it generating other things in the future and then we, as we <laughs> kind of came around to it we just said well why are we why are we doing that all right <laughs> the scope the scope creep is real <laughs> yeah. yeah that's that's so nice um and that's one of the issues that i hadn't tackled in my github plus netify setup and i i just decided well i'm, I'm just going to host the newest version and leave it at that um so it's it's a nice surprise that you are you are actually tackling this problem, and to, to to blow our own trumpet a little bit, I think one of the reasons that we that we wanted to do this feature is is pretty much exactly what you said. It's like that hosting your own documentation is not a particularly difficult task, but it is a task mm. that you have to decide go and do, and you have to then like spend several hours figuring out all of these different things to to then get that hosted, and then it, is that something that you do? once or is that something you automate and do you do it on releases and all the rest of it and what we would love is to have people have it be so simple to add hosted documentation to a package that there's almost no reason that you wouldn't yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. and that's that's our goal yeah i think you have achieved that goal with the, the current setup already it's, it's really well done um yeah nice job great thank you thank you so, so much Thank you, yeah, thank you so much for the feedback and thank you for testing it as well. And, and most yep. of all, thank you for finding a bug. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we also asked you to bring a couple of packages to talk about um, that were not written by you or, or at least not necessarily written by you. Um, and so Sven and I, we also have some packages to talk about, but why don't you go first, Simon, and tell us about a package. All right, uh, I can go first. I mean, I have uh, I brought uh, two packages and the first one is... Uh, it's one that I think is fairly well known, to be honest. It's SD Web Image. So it's this image caching library that has existed for iOS for um, years, I think. I, I mean, I've, it was originally uh, been using it since the Objective C days. So it must have been here for years. Uh, but now it has a really great uh, interface for, uh, for Swift. And I, I think it just, I chose this package because it's like, it's the package that I've been using for the longest. And it's in almost all of my. Uh, my projects because image caching isn't exactly trivial if you want to do it right and if you want to if you don't want to write a lot of logic yourself and i just like the way that sd web image makes this um super simple to get up and running but also extremely configurable um if you if you need that and then i just think that like looking through that github page and the documentation is just so well done uh, to get you kind of off the ground and um there are plenty of guys for like if you need the more complex parts of the of the library, there are guys who started on that. And then I, one one thing that I want to highlight with this package is like the way that there's the core library called SD Web Image, and then there are um, separate packages for other image encoders and decoders. So there's something for like WebP images, uh, uh, PDFs, and Logi animations, and so on. And they're in separate packages. And I, I kind of like that oh, way of yeah. structuring this package. Because you kind of you take the core, and if you need any more, then you then it's like yeah. adding a plugin. So you don't get everything 
all the stuff that you don't need. Yeah, you're right that it's a it's it's an amazing. I think I think the most remarkable thing about it is, I remember this package starting, and it started twelve years ago, <laughs> and uh, and it started as a as a fairly simple. Uh, Asynchronous image loader, if I remember rightly, uh, you know, there was a, you'd stick it on a UI image view and uh, it would asynchronously load your image. And to, to see what was, you know, such a, a, a common task that grow over twelve years into into what is really a very capable package for solving this problem now uh, has been has been incredible. Uh, and twelve years, like twelve years of maintenance on a package is is, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's quite an achievement. That, that is amazing. We should run. I had a query at some point to check the, the age of packages. That must be up there with, with one of the oldest um, that it we must, have in yeah. Index. Yeah, interesting. And 101 releases. There you go. Fantastic. And I'm actually just looking now at the, at the contribution uh, graph, and it has, it has had steady contribution over that entire 12-year period, which is uh, incredible. Is there any particular author to, yeah. to give a shout out to, or is it it's just says as the web image as the um, GitHub um, account? Yeah, I'm just yeah. looking, and it looks like it looks like there are two uh, main um, uh, uh, committers um, over the years. Um, somebody called Dream Piggy. Uh, there's no <laughs> real name attached to that, uh, but Dream Piggy and uh, a bug down. Uh, this is a this is a name that I'm going to butcher. <laughs> Yes, well done, sir. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> Jumped into the beach. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think worth uh, giving both of those two people a, a shout out. Amazing work. Great. All right. Um, why don't I go next? Um, so, the package I want to, or the first package I want to talk about today uh, is um, we talked a little bit last last time we did this uh, about packages that um, uh, have great readmes and uh, there is a package, well today's package has, has a great readme but, but the, the, I think the theme of, of, of why I wanted to highlight this package today was um, semantic versioning. So the package I want to talk about is called Motion uh, by Adam Bell and um, it is a um, it's a, a, an animation uh, package um, and I've not used it, but it looks to be incredible. It's well documented. It's got an amazing README. Uh, it's even got an animated header on the README. And there was a release of this 13 uh, days ago, which is what uh, made it pop up recently on my uh, raid. Um, and it's been in development for two years, and it just hit version 0.1.0. <laughs> <laughs> now, if ever there was a, a semantic version that should be higher than that, it should be on Notion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, just a, a great example of a package which has it's not been around as long as uh, SD web image by any any stretch, but it's clearly a package that's had um, a, a good amount of uh, effort and love poured into it uh, by um, Adam. Um, great documentation. In fact, I'd love to get this. I haven't actually checked whether they whether they have doc, doc C documentation, but I'd love to get this on our doc C uh, generator to see what it uh, it does with it. Great. Yeah, looks looks really great. Right, I guess it's my turn then. Um, and I'm I'm cheating a bit. I've got two packages in a bundle, <laughs> and <laughs> and this is about text tables. So um, last week I I sort of had a an idea to write a little um, package, a, a you know executable Swift executable package that runs in it, and effectively it it's it's logging SQL 
results to to the terminal. I thought, well, this would be nicer, and certainly save me a lot of time if I had something that can output this as a table in in the terminal. And um, I, I really love that because I, it allowed me to actually use the Swift package index to to look around what's there. And for those who don't know, and this was on the Mac, you can not only search in the index by you know a search for table, but you can also specify the platform that you want to see supported by the package. So I, I typed in uh, table blank platform colon macOS, and that gave me a, a nice, but still a sizable list of packages that have table in their name or description or anywhere um, that supported macOS. But it was it was enough, you know, just short enough to go through and look at what, what's there. And the two that I settled on and, and tried initially were table by Jan Gorman and Swifty text table by Scott Hoyt. Um, and they were really nice. And they were both easy to, to use. And that was just a very pleasant experience to to have something that you need to do quickly and not in a you know super yeah it's not a big project it's like a, a little thing i wrote and and just having these this access to these packages was was really nice and the interfaces were such that you could easily swap them out and try them out and and you'll sort of figure out as you went along what you actually need from a package because you don't always know at the start you know what your what your actual um, requirements are so that was that was really neat shout out to those two packages fantastic uh, do you want to kick us off with your second recommendation? Or, oh, well, not necessarily a recommendation, but your second package that you want to talk about? Um, sure, sure. Uh, so the, the second and last package that I brought is uh, also one that maybe some of you already know, but it's called um, Publish, and it's by, by John Sandell. Um, the reason that I've brought this package is just that I, I think I started using it a year ago or so for uh, for my own projects. So the thing that this does is that it's it's a Swift package that's a static site generator. So you can use this page to build uh, websites, which for me was super handy because I don't have much experience with uh, Swift development, uh, sorry, with web development, but I do have some experience with web I'm mixing, mixing it all up now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much experience with web development, but I do have some experience with Swift development. There it is. Um, so this, this package was quite handy for me because it, it, it let me build a website with uh, a syntax that's quite similar to Swift UI. So in some way, I was able to build websites in a, in a familiar, familiar language or DSL. And that has just been super helpful for me. Um, and I just think it's, a, it's an interesting usage of like Swift packages that at least when I think of a Swift package, I would typically think of like a, a dependency for my iOS or Mac OS apps. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. this is kind of something a little different. It's, a, it's more like a tool. Um, which I know Swift packages can also be, but that's that's just not the first thing that I'm thinking of, at least. And this the, the README here is also just uh, quite amazing. It's um, it's very thorough and it really gets you off the ground quite uh, quite fast. Uh, and and... Also documents like quite similar to SD Web Image. This is also using some uh, uh, way of adding plugins to mm -hmm. to this package. Uh, so that's a bit of a similarity here. So we actually use Publish to generate the package index blog. Um, oh. So the package index blog is running on uh, on Publish right. uh, and hosted on GitHub Pages. Right. Well, that's a very similar setup to mine. I use it for a few of my websites, uh, including the website for, for RuneStone and my personal blog. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, Yes, and it's a great package. It's it's. In fact, we use a few of uh, of John's uh, packages quite extensively. We we. Uh, in fact, publish is probably the one that we use the the the, the least of the, of the the ones that we do uh, include. So, publish right. is the static site generator, but there's also um, the 
he would potentially be writing the HTML inside a published site with uh, one of his other frameworks, Plot, and we use Plot to generate all of the HTML, even going through the Vapor app. Um, uh, so we use Plot extensively. Uh, and the other one that we use a lot is uh, his um, shellout uh, uh, package, because we, as you might imagine, when, when examining package uh, manifests and all that, uh, kind of thing, we have to run command line tools quite a lot uh, in the NLAs of, of when we're looking at packages. So we're we're shelling out constantly through uh, through that tool. Um, yeah. Right. I guess I was I was kind of mixing up or uh, uh, kind of combining pop. Uh, yeah, of course. Publish and and uh, natural, I was mixing um, those two up, and I just went uh, to the uh, to the combination. yeah. You just went to the readme for a plot, and I see that you're one of the top contributors here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't noticed that before bringing, bringing the package here, I promise. <laughs> we, we have, uh, yes, we've made some contributions to plot uh, to fill in some, some, some gaps that we needed, uh, and John was kind enough to uh, merge those in for us, so that was very helpful. Oh, that's great. So um, my second package is actually also a tool. Um, it's a package called um, Swift Package List, uh, and it's by Felix Herman. Um, and so what this does, well, it's actually, I remember a tool like this that worked with CocoaPods, which what it did was it, it went through all of your dependencies and it pulled out acknowledgements and um, uh, kind of license agreements into a format that you could then include in your application. So if you're using a open source package and you would like to give or are required to give um, credit to that uh, package in your somewhere in your application or in your readme or something like that um, automating that task is is very helpful because it's the kind of thing that's really easy to uh, forget to keep up to date and forget to uh, kind of keep on top of basically so swift package list is a so package manager version of that same kind of idea, it will generate you either a JSON file or a plist file, a settings bundle, which you can put straight inside your app to effectively keep your uh, acknowledgements in your settings um, uh, for your app uh, or just file with all of your dependencies uh, in an Xcode project or a workspace. And um, so it looks through the package resolve and it kind of finds the versions and it gets the license and it gets the checkouts. And, you know, it, it, it does, it automates that task for you, which I think is, is very valuable. Um, so I've not used this myself, but it's the kind of thing that, um, that, that is just a, a, it's a chore that's easy to forget. And that's a great uh, candidate for automation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's also a great example of why it's, it's really useful to think of the package index of hosting, not just libraries, but tools. And, and that was a very conscious decision. I mean, if you look at the package page, you will see that it actually lists um, in the top section, how many libraries and how many execu executable targets or products we have found. And and at some point we'll actually also make that searchable so you can filter on either of those things. But it's it's really common that, you know, development isn't just about pulling in dependencies. Often it's, it's you know, needing tools that, that do certain that cover certain parts of your development process and, and make that easier. And I certainly remember in a past project where this would have been really useful to to do automatically, you know, to just take that tedious thing off your plate. Really, really nice. Yeah. Do you want to get us uh, wrap us up with one final package then? Yes, let me do that. And that is a package that's actually seen quite a bit of traffic this week already, but I still wanted to give it another shout out. And that is the package Spiral 
which you linked to in last week's iOS Dev Weekly, Dave, didn't you? I did with a slightly <laughs> with a slightly flippant comment. It was not meant as a, <laughs> to to mean that you shouldn't use this package. It was I, I actually love this package. I think it's great. And uh, but I, I as I was writing about it, I thought the the number of times I've needed to display stuff in a spiral in an iOS app is precisely zero. <laughs> yeah, but. The reason I really wanted to to talk about this briefly is like you you think just like you say this is a spiral right I mean how much can there be to a spiral but I I tell you go to the readme and watch the watch the videos and you'll you think yeah. how crazy can you get with a spiral I mean this thing is configurable you wouldn't believe it it's like someone you know like this this meme where this escalated quickly where someone just goes completely overboard with the with the requirements and says you want spirals i'll give you spirals <laughs> this really is quite mesmerizing to look at oh, there's some of the yeah. videos in here it's amazing <laughs> it's, it's it an really amazing is. package absolutely amazing package yeah <laughs> and if you scroll towards the end there's a spiral shape that shows you all the um all the parameters that you can configure it's it's like <laughs> just fantastic i mean i think if you need a spiral i'm not sure there's there's any place else you need to go really i think that's that's it and it supports all all platforms except tvos so you should be you should be covered at least the other platforms mm-hmm. so there you go in, in, the, in the category of spiral based swift packages it is number one <laughs> and i just noticed it has 42 stars so this is it just rounds it off doesn't it <laughs> that's great <laughs> so nobody else must start that package no absolutely not let's let's give it, let's all go and give it a star right now all right fantastic um so um let's wrap it up there i guess um it's been fantastic to have uh you uh, on this evening uh, uh simon and um thank you so much for the words that you've spoken tonight, but also your your contributions to um, uh, open source Swift, and also your contributions to the App Store. They're, they are uh, not only um, not only uh, limited to Roostone. Uh, you should go and check out. Well, in fact, why don't you plug the rest of your uh, apps and packages here, Simon? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. What is there? Um, that's Roostone <laughs> and um, a page called Predia, and yeah, I don't remember all the pages. Um, I guess just is there a website up. people can go to to see all of your stuff? Um, yeah, that's simonbs.dev um, for for a list of my apps, uh, and then of course you can find my packages on github.com/simonbs. Um, I think that's the easiest way to find them. Oh, unless you can actually search for an author on Swift Package Index. You certainly can. Oh, okay. Then that's the easiest way. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually fishing for you to mention that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, if you if you search for uh, Simon BS, then it says matching authors on the right hand side. If you click on that, then you'll see. Um, actually, it looks like there's only the one package in there at the moment, which is really yeah. Turned. That also yeah. that confuses me a little. Hmm. Wonder what's cool. Maybe I need to do something on my side. Um, sure let's the get the rest of your packages added to the index as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, All right, and thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Oh, sure. yeah, it's been a pleasure being here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure, absolutely. And, and um, thanks for everyone who has been listening along as well. Um, and we um, put another um, one of these in for two weeks' time. Um, I may not get a chance to schedule it this evening because I'm just about to start. In fact, this is now minute one of my uh, long weekend vacation. So uh, I might get it on <laughs> Monday. Uh, but, uh, but yes, we're going to do one again in, in two weeks' time.
Great. Thanks, everyone. And thanks, Simon, for joining us. Anytime. Thanks, everyone. Have a great vacation, Dave. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye.